is Liren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Jesse Sierra Ross, the voice of the cooking and home entertaining blog Straight to the Hips Baby, where she shares approachable food for every home cook. A native Bostonian and former professional ballerina and ballet coach, Jesse now embraces the farm to table life in the Berkshires, sharing this creative adventure with her husband, Jonathan, which has expanded beyond the blog to television appearances, lectures, big brand collaborations, and more. I'm so excited to welcome Jesse to the podcast. Hi. Hello. How are you, Liren? I am great. I'm so excited to talk to you. We were talking earlier, just before we started, about your beautiful, unique name. Um, <laughs> it is unique. <laughs> yeah, and we and we share we share interesting parents apparently when it comes to naming children. <laughs> we do. You know, it, it makes sense because they were creative, and of course, we're creatives. That is a, okay. That is a very, very good point. I cannot fault my parents anymore, and neither can you. <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> okay. So, would you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what life looked like before you started in the world of food blogging? Uh, this is such a, a great story. And again, thank you for having me. A little bit about myself. My, again, my name is Jesse Sierra Ross. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a native Bostonian, born and bred. I can turn the accent on or off. You, know, <laughs> you, you can pop the con, have a yard, but I tend to tamp down on that quite a bit. And as mentioned, I am, you know, I am a former performing artist. I was a professional ballerina for close to 20 years. Starting at age 14 was my first professional contract, and. I trained and performed with some of the best dancers and instructors in the world, including members from American Ballet Theater and Paris Opera, New York City Ballet. And I fully embraced that life of tutu point shoes and, you know, not really diving into the food scene as much. I mean, it's not not something that you associate with ballerinas is a food blog, but it was something that was always kind of bubbling in the background. And I adored performing and started transitioning into education and teaching and writing. And then I suddenly found myself back in Boston after going to college, met and married my husband, and we moved out of Boston. So this city mouse, this urbanite who I don't think I ever waved at my neighbors before in my life, suddenly found myself out in the mountains where everyone was friendly and everyone was chatting. And I was looking around going, what is wrong with everybody? <laughs> it's a beautiful life. And I am now in the land of farm to table landscaping. We have uh, organic dairies. We have farms. I know the farmers cut flower farms everywhere you go. And to now be able to actually see and harvest myself, that food that I would buy in the big stores in the city has changed my life. And after having children, I found myself at home with two little ones with baby babble in each <laughs> ear and realizing as much as I adored motherhood, I needed a challenge and I needed a project. And as you can tell, I like talking and I like to write. And after a really successful um, dinner party, instead of sending out my recipes via email to my guests, we had 16 people, multi-courses. I, you know, I do everything from scratch. I believe from that nothing should be from a box. Everything should be a, from scratch as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I decided to create the blog and Straight to the Hips Baby was born around the dinner table and we have not looked back since. Okay. Well, let's back up. Normally I ask, what's the first thing that you ever cooked? So let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And... 
you know, your relationship with food and how you became such a good cook? <laughs> well, you know, um, the first thing I ever cooked is such a, a funny question. I have to think about it. So my mother, I come from a long line of cooks. My mother was a fantastic cook. And this, you know, growing up in the 80s, that was a time when we started transitioning from, you know, foods that your grandmother and your great grandmother would only make to this huge cultural diversity uh, of recipes. And my mother dived in and being a former, you know, wild child, hippie mom, we were exposed to every sort of cuisine that we could make at home. But also, you know, not to knock grandmother's cooking, there was a long line and strong cultural identification with my Jewish background, with my Ukrainian background, um, with those very strong flavors from Europe. And so, we cooked and we cooked this great mixture. And I, I have distinct memories of being about six years old and cooking at my mother's elbow. We were making blintzes, which is this mm. Jewish um, Slavic tradition. It's a very thin crepe that you you should be able to see through it mm. in a very hot oven with plenty of butter. And then you fill it with a mixture of farmer's cheese, cream cheese, um, a little butter, a little salt. We're we're salty Slavs. <laughs> we like salty <laughs> foods. There's a distinction, and we could get into that another day. Oh. But um, you fold them up, and then you fry them in butter, and serve them with applesauce and sour cream. And I remember being six years old, and I was in charge of folding, and I burned my little fingertips oh. folding those crepes. But it was the experience that made me realize that not only the act of eating is love you know, with your family and feeding your family, but the act of creation of this food, especially cultural, traditional foods. Uh, and it just inspired something deep. I became, you know, so interested in Julia Child and Martha Stewart and Yen Can Cook, which was what it was, what was available yeah. as a child. We share the same childhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what, what it really was because I was also the child of an immigrant. Um, I'm first-generation American and having that access to food and love of food just just lit a fire in me, even as a young kid. Oh, I think it's so important to preserve those recipes. Do you share a lot of them in Straight to the Hips? I share several of them, actually. There's several family recipes on there. There's one for hamantashen, which is a Jewish cookie that we make around uh, Purim in the early mm -hmm. spring. It's, it's a triangle-shaped cookie. It's a butter lemon dough and filled with different jams and jellies and fillings. But that recipe came over on the boat with my great-grandmother. And I still make it and mandel bread and challah and kugel and absolutely. But I, I will say that it was such a great base knowledge you know they're very fundamental techniques mm -hmm. and they are stick to your bones recipes but it it let me launch into other areas where recipes and flavors that maybe my mother wouldn't have dived into i went in head first i just wanted to know i wanted mm -hmm. to know how to do this and i love a good challenge i'm an aries um i go head first into everything and it's something that i think is really you need to find your passion and this was my passion I think you need that type of personality to do what we do, to create something out of nothing, which I guess is like mm -hmm. cooking too, if yeah. you think about it. So why the title, Straight to the Hips, baby? <laughs> well, <laughs> you're going to hear my laugh a lot. I laugh. Um, you have a great laugh. So I'm happy to hear Thank it. <laughs> so being a former ballet dancer, I had a very strict sort of relationship with food. I was fortunate enough to come from a strong background 
and strong sense of self that I didn't necessarily fall into the trap of eating disorders, which is so commonly associated with dance and luckily is changing now for the better. But I was very tiny. I would only eat small amounts. I was 115 pounds soaking wet at 5'7", which is quite light. Mm. And, you know, it led to a lot of not being deprived, but definitely being so overly conscious of looking at food as fuel. And so it didn't necessarily have a lot of enjoyment in it. There were times, but it was definitely not the the end goal. And when I retired from dance and I started cooking for my family and cooking for my guests, uh, especially as a, a budding home entertainer, I realized the the amount of sort of pleasure and inspiration, aspiration, and moments that you can create these sort of food experiences that are even greater than the actual act of eating for your guests and your family. So when I cook, I cook with butter. I cook with sugar. I do full fat everything almost all the time. Uh, as I mentioned before, I don't like to use pre-processed foods. If I can make it from scratch, I will. Obviously, I'm not completely nutsy. Um, I do use dry pasta. I, I don't mill my own flour. You know, I have absolute admiration. I was going to say, do you make <laughs> your own burrata too? <laughs> uh, I have tried. It's on ah, my agenda. <laughs> nice. But uh, just, to, just to see, but I do believe in seeking out the highest quality ingredients that you can afford. And in my mind, that leads to not only understanding your flavors and your elements, it, it provides a better pro- uh, product. So Straight to the Hips Baby is really my ode, my love to butter, sugar, and a great cocktail. If it doesn't go straight to your hips, it probably isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're my kind of person. Oh, yeah. I mean, but the name itself was we were around that dinner table, like no joke, trying to come up with a, a name. And I, I kept going straight to the hips, straight to the hips, straight to the hips. I think that's that's what it has to be. But it's lacking something. What My brother, who was living with us at the time, we were sitting with my husband, my brother, myself. And he looked at me. He's like, how about baby? I'm like, oh, straight to the hips, baby. And that's how it was born. <laughs> and it adds the perfect amount of sass. So, mm-hmm. And it totally makes sense. I love it. I think it does capture a lot of the joy behind food and the creation of it. So very, very cool. Okay. So you live in the Berkshires. You went from city mouse to country mouse. How does this inspire the recipes that you share? It it actually taps into some of my city life, to tell you the truth, in my life in theater. Uh, we, we always say we don't we not only eat with our, you know, our taste buds, but with our eyes, right? So the visual appeal of food and, and the ingredients and being out in the Berkshires helps to inform me because I, I see those plants at their peak, those vegetables, the, the dairy, the meats, I know where they're coming from. And my style of cooking has really evolved from trying to create a, definitely approachable recipes, but ones that would not intimidate, you know, and now my style of cooking is to elevate those traditional dishes. So I, I like to think I'll take the um, example of a chicken popricosh, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a a chicken popricosh. It's, it's a thin chicken. It's been fried in butter, a little flour. You make this beautiful paprika sauce with different vegetables, brightly colored and a mash. And it can look very, uh, it tastes amazing, but it can look very sloppy. And what I try to do is elevate. I'll use the fresh stuff. I'll use fresh garlic instead of the powdered garlic. I will make a mash that's done through a ricer. We will layer, we will create, and we'll create height and color and texture. And 
those attitudes of respecting the ingredients because I know where they're coming from and the people who are growing them to creating the beauty on the plate. It's it's sort of like a, a snake eating its tail. It just <laughs> constantly goes around and I'm discovering new new items, new ways, new theories and techniques all the time from listening and learning, even from the growers and producers them, themselves. I think it's interesting that you talk about elevating the dishes because I, I noticed that a lot in your photography. Well, you work with your husband. You have a very mm -hmm. distinct, light and airy and what makes you unique, floral style yes. to the photography on your site. So since you and Jonathan work together, like who came up with this this ethos, this this airiness for your site? That's a really amazing question. <laughs> and it's, you know, we we wrestled with our style for several years. And I, I will say that, you know, the the blog itself was established as a lifeline for me to kind of speak to the outside world as I was raising kids and then transformed into this production of and really learning space where I had readers and fans and it was amazing but we didn't have a style of photography during that time when we started the blog and and still to this day I think that dark and moody photography reigns supreme I think that it's starting to get a little bit more balanced and I love dark and moody photography do not get me wrong I adore it but being someone who is a self-taught cook and a self-taught photographer and stylist, we gravitated towards natural light. And natural light, especially if you're just starting out, is much more approachable in that sort of brightness, that airiness. And as much as I had wanted to be dark and moody, and I appreciate it, and if you go into my online um, you know, save folders, it's all dark and moody. That's what inspires <laughs> me. I love the color and, and the way that these truly, these artists manipulate light. It's astounding to me, but for my personality, light, bright, lush, and you know, we like to say we have lush minimalism. There's nothing in those frames that doesn't necessarily relate to the dish itself or to mm -hmm. set a scene. I'm very much of the mind that when you are taking photographs of food, you should be able to capture either a mood, a time frame, a flavor, but it's a snapshot of that moment, much like dance where you're on stage and every performance is different. Mm -hmm. um, and every performer is different with the same material. The same is with that recipe and photograph. Every time you make that recipe, it's a little bit different depending on the chef or cook who's making it it's slightly different. The lighting outside is coming in slightly different. It's unique and to appreciate it. So light and airy is more what I feel in my heart when I'm cooking and in my soul and when I'm entertaining and flowers are just a deep passion of mine. And it just came together about three years ago. And suddenly we went, aha, That's your this is it. This is it. And it resonated. And even if it didn't resonate with our audience, we were going to still do it because yeah. <laughs> we loved it. And you should because, yeah, I, I, I firmly believe that if you put out what's in your heart and what your passion is, the people who resonate with that will find you. And exactly. so I'm glad you do that. Okay. Speaking of light, you've been in the spotlight before. So let's talk about your leap from the ballet stage to food and television. So how did you land those first spots on local TV? I, you know, it was a evolution. I want to say it was a little bit of serendipitous sort of fortune. Uh, it's one of my favorite words. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, so we have been in the Berkshire area now for almost 13 years. 
And we have really built this amazing community out here of different folks from different lines of work, different focuses. And I was out one day and I was at a friend's, um, I think it was a charity fundraiser and I was showing my support and I was out and she said, you know, you need to meet this person. I said, I need to meet this person. Who do I need to meet? (laughs) And I had never thought about being on TV before, but it was a anchor of a local television show. And we got to chatting and she had a passion for food. She was a former dancer herself. And she looked at me, she said, you need to get on TV. And I was in my year of yes. Um, I was coming out of being in the land of babies. Um, Mm -hmm. I have three sons. So um, I added to that brood of two when I started the blog to three. And I was trying to take opportunities and risks and push myself forward because I wanted to make the blog into something even greater. So I kind of dampened the fear and the initial response of, oh, oh, no, I could never, to sure, I'll try it. What could go wrong? And I started on a a local morning chat show, uh, an NBC affiliate, where I still go on and I love them like family. And it, (laughs) as with everything else, I went barreling through, did some research, (laughs) did some practice, and realized very quickly that television is an art form of its own. It's very different than, say, taking pictures or writing a recipe or even um, doing a lecture demonstration in a a more, you know, one-on-one or in a group situation. Because on TV, not only are you in a studio, uh, you're not in your own environment. Sometimes you don't even have working appliances and you have to fake it, but you are talking, you're cooking, you're making, you know, bantery jokes, and you have to show a finished product in three minutes if you're lucky. And... I got addicted to it. It's an adrenaline rush. It's just like being on stage because once the lights are on, once they say, you know, three, two, one, here we go, you're on. And if you can't, I say tap dance, but if you can't roll with the punches, it's it's much, much harder. And I'm known at all the studios that I now work with as being one take Jesse. Only one time in my life have I ever had to do a retake and it wasn't for me. So when I get That's out impressive. there- yeah, do it. <laughs> and I, I think go spectacularly wrong. <laughs> so are most of your segments live or recorded? Uh, I started off as 50-50, but I would now say that at least 75% of my segments are live. And it takes a lot of sort of preparation. But once you figure out what works for you, it's almost like filling in a blog post. You know what you need to hit. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, do I need an H2 here? Do I need an H3? Do I need this, set, you know, information to help, you know, the Google gods find me. It's the same idea when you're doing a TV segment. You have to identify first what is a good recipe to mm-hmm. show on TV, um, as well as doing all the background sort of information dive with the producer about whether you'll be there alone, whether you'll be working with someone, whether that co-host likes to cook, whether they want to chat. But you you figure out what recipe would work well, what are the sort of pain points of a recipe, the important bits that you think you should show. And then you start imagining, well, if I'm making a tart, I can't make a tart from scratch in three minutes. So how am I going to show this? So I'm going to show the crumb pressing into the pan. Then I'll have a finished tart shell ready. Maybe I have to skip ahead and pre-make the curd and already tell them about it. But, oh, maybe I have a second segment. Maybe I'll be able to do that. And then you have your finished product. product. Mm -hmm. So you always want to have that magic of TV moment where you bring out, even if everything went wrong, you 
created a flower dust cloud, which I have done on mix in the mixer <laughs> on air. You couldn't see me. <laughs> you burn something. Which is real you know. life on TV. It's real life. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the egg shell went into the batter. It, it happens. But the power of bringing out this, aha, here's my finished tart. And you can do this at home too, because they can, is very, very powerful to reach a new audience that's beyond the blog. Mm-hmm. Okay, so many questions here, but first let's let's back up a little. I've done some on-camera work, but I've only done one live segment on, mm-hmm. I would have done more, unfortunately, they're just a little too far away from me. And here's the mm-hmm. thing, it is a lot of work to do a three minute slot. People don't realize what you're doing at home to prepare, not just yourself physically, because you have mm-hmm. to look good, but the food has to look good. You have to have swaps. As you said, you may not have a working sink even. <laughs> so yes. take us look quickly through your process in prepping for that that early morning slot where you have to schlep all your things and get ready for the camera, both you and the food, because you're not the only talent there. This is true. I would say the food is the, the bigger star. And I love that you use Yiddish schlep because it's so evocative <laughs> of, the, so. <laughs> of what I have to do. Um, you know, when we're loading up, but I'll get there in a moment because I have a, I'm also known as the blue buggy lady because I carry everything in a little blue buggy because I learned a long time ago, there's only so many bags you can carry. Yes. So, you know, even before I go grocery shopping, before the blender comes out, before the stove heats, the, the very first thing that has to happen is once you've booked your gig, you need to have a discussion with your producer. You have to really go over the ins and outs because they may not have a a full understanding of what it takes to create a dish on camera. So I sit down either by email or on a phone call with the producer and go over, again, is it live or is it taped? How long a segment do I have? Is there a host? Do I have a stove? Because there's many places I will go to, they don't have a functioning stove. Can I bring a hot top? You know, are there outlets? Is there a sink? I have worked with that and that's tough. You have to bring, <laughs> you have to bring bags to, to wrap everything up. Yeah. And once that's settled and you've agreed upon some talking points, uh, sort of a reference of what you're going to do, you also want to double check about some some stations have um, limits to wording for brands or uh, you can't say saran wrap. You have to say plastic wrap. Right. Or some stations, I have a station who will not allow me to bring cocktails because they have a, a you know a, a strident law in their little bylines that no alcohol can be shown on air before noon. Uh, um, so it's those details, but once the day of, I wake up, if I'm going to be in the studio by 10, I have to wake up around five or six. I try to create things as much as I can the night before, but there are certain elements that you can't, you have to make really right then. So I pre-prepare all of my ingredients, the ones that need to be semi-finished as well as the finished. I pre-portion, again, I go back to baking because I do that a lot, but I'll pre-portion all my dry goods, my wet goods. I'll have my edible flowers ready or any sort of special decorations going. I spend a good two to three hours in the mornings while getting my children ready and going to the bus stop and dropping them off and coming back in various stages of hair and makeup, by the way. (laughs) Uh, The bus driver knows my look. If I come out with a scarf over my head and foundation face, but no eyebrows, (laughs) it's a TV day. And I pack everything up because I also have to remember a lot of these stations don't have props. They're not going to have that tablecloth or that runner. They're not going to have the bowls, the pinch bowls, the measuring cups. Sometimes I have to bring my own mixer. Mm. Everything gets packed up. So I live and die by lists. 
I, I'm old school. I'm a Luddite. I love paper and pen and I have to cross everything out. And knowing that if I forget something, it's fine. You're going to be fine. You'll fake it. And, you know, you mentioned hair and makeup. Hair and makeup takes about 90 minutes. They do not do your hair and makeup, folks. <laughs> Typically, you do it. And, um, you know, you dress nicely. You have to remember about colors and um, don't wear green. And oh, right. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that because sometimes you're on with the weatherman. <laughs> Plus your talking point. So it's, it sounds overwhelming. And I, I don't want the listeners to think that, oh, I, you know, I, I'm curious about TV, but I could never do that. If I can do it as someone who is juggling flaming hot plates on a unicycle, <laughs> you know, with all my various hats that I have to wear, you know, as a businesswoman, as a mother, as a photographer, a stylist, a cook, and now as a TV food content creator, you can do this. It's all about finding the system that works for you and understanding that when you go on these shows, yes, your food is very important, but it's also you. Realize that you are also valuable. You're a valuable asset to them because you're a personality. As much as you want to downplay it, you you are interesting and they want to talk to you. So that's my little my setup. I don't know. <laughs> I probably forgot some things, but it's absolutely doable. Yeah. And, you know, I think what it is important to recognize that you and your personality are so important because the difference between content creators who are creating videos for, let's say, their YouTube audience or their Instagram Reel audience, and then even like when I compare it to the on-camera work that I did for brands, that's completely different. You know, it's recorded, it's sometimes scripted. Um, this, you have an opportunity to interact with another human being and you cannot predict what they are going to say. So you need to be pretty quick <laughs> and on your feet. So yes. I think your stage training, your ability to probably improvise, you know, because that's part of theater life. You, you don't know every performance is going to be a little different has probably honed you into being a really excellent on-camera companion. It certainly made me entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yes, you have to have a, a certain comfort level with chaos. And if you are pre-taping, there's there's a, an ability there to for them to either cut. You know, if mm -hmm. you have a if you misspeak or there's a, something that crashes and, and breaks, they can cut it out, or you can sometimes even do a retake, but you will become more valuable if you're flexible. Meaning if you make a mistake during a pre-tape and you just, again, keep barreling through, you may have noticed that mistake, but unless you set a kitchen towel on fire, no one else is going to realize it. And the same goes for live TV. As you mentioned, you never really know what the co-host is going to say. I, I love to either send an email or even check in right before we go on to say, this is what we're making. These are the points I'm talking about. If you want to bring up this or ask them politely, what do you think you want to ask me? So I have it in my mind. I've had co-hosts where we'll go over the the points and then they bring it up like they're the experts and I chat and, and answer the questions. And that's a great way to do it. But it's it's understanding that you're there to educate and doing two things at once, you know, cooking and, and talking, but the co-hosts most often will not let you fail. And that's something I always like to emphasize to people who reach out to me about TV work is they're used to this. They're used to either trying to pull language and personality out of a guest, mm -hmm. or they'll sometimes just let you fly. You know, they'll just let you take over and you'll get a feel for that very quickly. But practice talking to yourself in the car, get on some <laughs> lives, do podcasts. Um, it's 
all a tap dance and you can do this. Yeah. Okay. So you've mentioned that you've reached an audience beyond your blog. How significant has your appearances on television helped your blog's growth? Excellent question. So it's sort of multi-level here. So I do different sort of, what are they called? Not audiences, but um, different levels of TV. So I do local, I've done national. Um, some of it, it, it each brings its own return, I guess mm -hmm. I should say. You know, it's it's also a sort of personal return because the more you do this, the better you get at it. And the more often you'll be asked to come back and word starts to spread. So I would say from a local TV level, I have seen incredible amount of engagement from these audiences. You have a brand recognition now that really can't compare to a brand recognition through a blog. You know, there are readers, there's always gonna be readers and I adore my community. I could not do any of this without them. But the readership is a very different audience than the TV viewership. And they may ne never have found me except through TV. Some of my audiences, you know, when I do a national bit, I've had <laughs> markets, that's the word I was looking for, uh, markets that are 3 million. I mean, that's yeah. incredible to have that in one space of six minutes, maybe. Yeah. to have that that reach and then you can also parlay this into brand uh segments and endorsements as well because once you establish a great relationship with a studio that you are prepared you're fun to work with you're easy to work with they will start to mention you for brand segments and that is something that's really lovely to add into your your media kit not only for reference that you do this and this is a skill set that you can provide but also uh from a business perspective you can add it to your to your list of what you can create and provide for that brand so there's so many different facets of tv work that are incredible for for not only your bank account, but your brand awareness and building that community, because it's always about building community. Those are your people. And to to reach it at a different platform is incredible. Yeah, it's a diversification, not only of your brand and the services that you offer, but also of your audience. So exactly. it's a win, win, win all around. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so what are your tips for people who want to build relationships with their local stations, for example? Brilliant. Yes. So uh, on a fundamental level, you want to make sure that your blog is in its best shape. Make sure it looks pretty. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You want to have all your links working. You want to have your best recipes out there, nice photographs, informative writing. Make sure your social media is tight. And this doesn't mean that you need to have 10,000 followers to go on TV. Absolutely not. But you do want to have a social media set of social media platforms that really engage an audience so they can see that you are already being sought after as mm -hmm. an expert but also that you are you are responding to that community so don't let your comments go you know respond even if it's you know thank you for coming and checking out my my uh, recipe here you go for more um what i like to do is to research first who is creating tv content that you can kind of jump on in your area some stations don't have morning chat shows or lifestyle shows so you may want to skip that for now and wait until you have a, a broader sort of platform but look for your morning chat shows your lifestyle shows start to follow those co-hosts on social media yeah make conversation get to know them don't just jump into their dms and say hey bring me on your show it doesn't work like that they want authenticity as much as that word is tossed around it really is true you need to show up as someone 
that is credible, but also ready to collaborate. Mm -hmm. I would also look on LinkedIn for local hosts and producers. Producers are your gateway. Uh, a lot of times stations will have these intake forms that you can fill out, which I highly recommend do it. I mean, you want to get in front of the right set of eyes, but it's the right set of eyes is typically the producer, the executive producer, or even the anchor or co-host. Mm -hmm. So you want to start reaching out there and offer from a place of service. I really like using Instagram for me because it's my one of my strongest social media uh, platforms. And my feed, it really acts as a portfolio of my work. And I will jump into a DM after establishing that relationship over weeks to months, not days. <laughs> and, <laughs> and say, hey, and I, it's genuine. I really liked your work. I saw you did this segment with so-and-so from the restaurant downtown, so-and-so. It looked delicious. If I can ever help with any food and drink uh, content, please let me know. I am, you know, a blogger who focuses on whatever it is you focus on, whether mm -hmm. it's vegan, cooking, vegetarian, and I have lots of recipes and lots of content. If you ever need anything, here's my content information. Look forward to chatting soon and then take it to email. And oftentimes that's how it works. Um, another avenue that you can use is Haro, which is H-A-R-O.com. Uh, mm -hmm. It's help a reporter out. Oh, yes. Um, you can find some great ways to create backlinks there, but also sometimes you'll even get TV work through those channels and keep an eye on the, the channels themselves. Cause sometimes they will put kind of like, a, we call them cattle call auditions in dance, but they'll just put out a, a standard call for creators to come in. Hmm. So that's my tip is really to come from a place of service be genuine. You want to help. Remember when you are jumping into that studio, you aren't the star. You're not meant to be the star, but you are an important cog in the machine of that show. Mm -hmm. And come in, be professional, tidy up, leave the food. Everybody likes a free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and continue to build relationships. Oh, such great, great tips. Um, I love it. Actually, now you're like, now I want to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, you should. You would be amazing at it. Amazing. Uh, thank you. It was fun. I have to say it really was fun on a completely different level and a nice mm -hmm. different challenge. So I, I kind of get why you're, mm -hmm. why you keep doing it. Yeah, it's addictive. <laughs> okay. So what else are you going to do? We're running low on time. So what else is in the future for you, Jesse? Oh, so exciting. Um, yes. So I have my uh, continuing partnerships with my local NBC channels, but I have branched out to PBS as well. Oh, nice. And um, my collaboration with the amazing Bloom TV Network, which is a floral inspired content creation house, really, that is just taking the world by storm, creating cooking shows, crafting shows, gardening shows, lifestyle shows, you name it, they have it. I uh, started working with them about three years ago. We're continuing our work with episodes and really spreading the love of food and flowers and fun uh, on a national scale. Um, and I have a book. I have signed with a publisher. Um, and I was, you know, as we mentioned before, you're one of the first to know. And <laughs> I you. am so excited to be working with this publishing house to create create something that is unique in the market, but also is such a direct reflection of my passion for food and drink and home entertaining with a floral bend. And I, I'm writing as we speak, my, my 
cogs are twirling around with new recipes and trying to get in sync with the seasons for flowers and trying to get my friends in the model (laughs) hold a drink for me but it's super exciting and you know it's it's building everything is about building and growing and learning new skills and i'm so tickled to be at this point uh when i look back at this this blog that started as a way to talk to the outside world that has become something even bigger than what i ever imagined so yeah tv appearances tv shows are in the works and uh a book coming at you <laughs> oh i'm so excited okay when the book comes out you will mm-hmm. have to come back and talk more about yes. it and i'm so excited so before i let you go you. i have some quick closing questions mm-hmm. okay what's something that you make when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go-to dinner I love it. All right. During the summer, it's got to be my melon and um, herb burrata salad. Yum. So you take a soft buffalo mozzarella and you just cut different melons into different cubes or wedges, whatever you like. Toss it with cherries and roasted beets and herbs and the gooey um, mozzarella over everything, a little balsamic, aged balsamic, not the runny stuff. The yes. Aged stuff. yes. Uh, a little toasted bread. That is my go-to. During the winter, I am a big like poached egg on toasted sourdough with whatever veg whether it's cooked or raw in the fridge and sometimes I'll add a sauce if I have like a a chili oil hanging out in the fridge or even you know a little bit of that um like a yogurt sauce that that's what I do I'm very as much as I love to throw elaborate dinner parties with you know incredible menus I am a simple bold flavor girl I I love the basics so give me a good poached egg on toast and I'm all set. Ah, perfect. Okay. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Ooh, I have to go back to that Blintz recipe and it's the only recipe that I will not likely release on the blog because it's an old family recipe. I may tweak it and put it out there, but it has such meaning to me because it's a great grandmother recipe. It's my grandmother, my mother, all, you know, all these women who passed pretty early, but made such a an impact on my life. And it's a way that I can connect to my family, but also in a way, you know, one hand back to them, one hand forward to my children. Yeah. And by teaching them these recipes, they get to know their, you know, my mother and my yes. grandmother and to really know our family. So it would be our Blintz recipe, salty, not sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, definitely protect those recipes because that's mm. precious. Are you messy or neat in the kitchen? <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say that I'm messy, but I do clean as I go. So I will make the mess, um, but I clean up as I go. And I, I'll be honest, I don't like sharing my kitchen. Um, <sighs> it's really funny. We, my husband and I, we each have our allotted space. But if he comes and takes my cutting board and knife that I set out, boy, there's going to be words. <laughs> oh, why would someone do that? Hold on. Hey, that's mine. Get your own. Exactly. I'm sure there's more than one that he can pick from. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, what's a good kitchen tip that you can share? Um, always use fresh herbs. Don't yes. skimp on the freshness. Fresh citrus juices, fresh herbs, fresh foods. Canned and frozen foods have their place, especially frozen foods because they're frozen at their peak. But whenever you can shop fresh, shop local, and shop in season. This is not only to protect our local environments, but you're also supporting small business owners and farmers and educating your palate too with, because if it's grown and harvested in the season it's supposed to be, that's typically how that food or ingredient is supposed to taste. 
So you don't want to get a tomato in January when it's looking a little sickly. Grab those tomatoes in August and your mouth will explode with the flavors of summer. So always fresh. Excellent. 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 Okay. I usually try to share on Fridays, although I've been really lax lately, five little (laughs) things that I experienced that week. Is there something good that you experienced this week? Ah, yes. In regards to the book, I jotted down, made the framework. The framework is there. I just have to fill in the pieces. Do you want five things? I can go really fast. Oh, no, just one. (laughs) Just one's fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it would be getting started. Not even getting started. This has been started, but really feeling, go get them. I'm ready. I'm ready to get in that kitchen and test and fill in the blanks and create something brand new. And um, I'm deliriously happy, a little panicked, but it's a, it's a feeling that is magical because you know that's when something special is going to happen. Oh, you put it so nicely. I cannot wait for the book to come out. In the meantime, Jesse, where can everyone find you? Where, they, where can they see you on TV? And, oh. and just get yes. in touch with you. Brilliant. Um, you can always find me through my blog, straighttothehipsbaby.com. There's links to all my handles and my email. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Straight to the Hips Baby. I feature prim- primarily on local New England NBC channels, but you can find me also on PBS 30. Yes. <laughs> in, <laughs> in Colorado. You can find me on Bloom TV Network. You can also see me in print. If you Google my name, because no one else in the world has my name, you will find me. And you can also find me on Clubhouse, where I run a community of food content creators and food photographers. And we are, I think we're close to 2,200 people now. And it's a phenomenal group. So find me you know google me you'll get me (laughs) awesome jesse thank you so much for spending your friday morning with me and i can't wait to keep in touch an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me oh what a fun glimpse behind the scenes there is so much involved in those three minute slots on television but truly i love how jesse has found a new stage to shine and share her talents If you're thinking of expanding the work you do to involve television work, I hope you are inspired by our conversation. Thanks again to Jesse for joining us and thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking.